Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 272, and today we're talking travel safety tips for indie travelers. Yeah, I think it's a pretty important topic, actually, travel safety. Yeah, we want you to stay safe out there and have a whole lot of fun. Yeah, well, travel is a safe enterprise, I'd say. I think you're just as safe while traveling as you are at home, although there are other stresses. So, you know, it's definitely worth thinking about. And that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, and thinking about having fun, this week has been good. We're in a little small town. You might remember a week or so ago we were talking about the best places to visit in Austria, and we talked about lots of the cities. And at the moment we're back in small town mode. We're in a little place called Vitra, which you've never heard of, and it is up near the Czech border, and it is fantastic. It's amazing. It's one of these tiny little old towns. It's a walled town, but they've been keeping the... um the town centre really well renovated. All the houses are different colours. It's got a town wall that goes all the way around. It's got a really nice castle. And uh, last week we did a night watchman's tour with uh, an older guy who, who was doing the night watchman's tours. He was dressed up as a night watchman. And he took us to all sorts of really cool places. He explained the graffiti. One of the houses is not, not the graffiti as you might think, but that old style of etched in graffiti. He explained that we saw a water system that was only recently rediscovered that used to um, give water to, to the town. We saw a house with a ceiling that was dated from what the 1500s or something. Mm. It was amazing. Yeah, it's been great. And then yesterday, well, no, on Saturday, we headed up to um, Chesky Budovice, which is the home of Budweiser. And so, uh, yeah, we drank some beer and looked around. It was great. Yeah, we also went to a little town called, well, I'm going to say it wrong, but it was. Holasovice or something like that. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, as we discovered when we arrived and saw the plinth. And uh, yeah, it's got a, a whole bunch of old houses which date from, I think, the 18, 1800s. And uh, yeah, really cute. Indeed. Well, this week we're talking about travel safety, so we may as well start off by talking about our travel insurance bookings and travel insurance partnership with worldnomads.com. Uh, you can find out what we think about travel insurance at indietravelpodcast.com slash insurance. And, um, well, I mean, last week we got a payment back for an insurance claim that we put in, so always happy <laughs> about that. That was quite nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, do make sure you check out IndieTravelPodcast.com slash insurance when you're ready to travel and consider booking through the links there. That gives us a commission and keeps Indie Travel Podcast rolling. Yeah, we like it when you do that. So thanks. Today, the, uh, the travel tips we're talking about are coming from a section of the Travel Safety Book, which I co-wrote with uh, Craig Bidois. Now, Craig Bidois, we've interviewed a few times in the past. He's the XUN security trainer and now runs a private security consulting. And, uh, yeah, we wrote a book together with his kind of expert knowledge and my um, I show up places and try not to get mugged or ripped off kind of knowledge. We'll call that practical knowledge, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a great book. You can find it at guides.indietravelpodcast.com. Um, but yeah, today we're going to pull out some of the specific advice for short-term holiday makers, uh, long-term travellers, and uh, see if we've got time to do anything else. So before we started recording, Craig was telling me that the Louvre shut down this week because of pickpockets. What, what exactly happened? I didn't read the story. Yeah, that's right. Well, Paris's biggest, well, most famous museum has been uh, almost under attack by street gangs, pickpockets, and uh, 
you know, purse snatches and all of that kind of thing. And so there just wasn't enough security there at the gates and organized crime was moving in. A lot of the reports I've been reading have been saying it's the, um, especially the Roma that have been coming in from Romania and Bulgaria and uh, sitting up around Paris. But I'm always, I mean, there's an element of truth, but I'm always a bit skeptical when uh, when one group gets blamed entirely. They're often an, there's easy, been, uh, an easy scapegoat. Yeah, but I mean, there's always been some level of problem, but it's really picked up apparently in the last six months. And so, yeah, all the staff walked out saying they felt intimidated and that uh, too many people were getting robbed. Wow. And so, yeah, there was a complete strike. And today, I believe something like 20 armed and uniformed policemen plus plainclothes policemen are showing up at the, uh, at the Louvre. So it's open again. You can go back in. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, it's probably one of the safest places in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I suppose it just goes to show that there is crime out there and it, it comes and goes and waves, but there are certain things that you can do to increase your own personal safety. One of them might be know where to go when. Yep. <laughs> but let's look at the uh, the book and work our way through our safety tips for, for vacationers. Yeah, well, of course, if you're going away for a short-term trip, you uh, want to have as much fun as possible. And for many people, that involves drinking. It certainly does for me. Yes, we've been talking about this recently, actually. <laughs> Looking at the safe limits for drinking. And I, I recommend you do it because we were surprised at what the what the limits, what the recommended limits are. Yeah, they're quite so, low. <laughs> it certainly doesn't uh, doesn't quite match with a uh, with our lifestyle. So we're we're working on cutting down a little bit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, the, the point is watch what you're drinking. A lot of the accident reports that come in, um, come in because people were drunk and fell off a wharf or tripped over or just cut themselves on glass on the street or something silly like that. So yeah, while it might be time to, to cut loose, also, as always, drink responsibly when you're not in a, a place that you know well or not with people that you know well. Yeah, and when you're traveling, you're not going to be in a place you know well. You're in an unfamiliar environment. So, you know, have a drink or two fewer and keep yourself under control. Yeah, um, and even away from the streets, thinking about when you're pre-boarding for your flight and flying, if you've never flown before, never flown and drunk before, you might not know that uh, the alcohol affects you a lot faster than it does down at sea level. The That's higher true. you go, the faster alcohol affects you. I so, remember reading once that if you're in, in a plane, every one unit of alcohol affects you as much as two would yeah. on the ground. So one beer is like having two beers, yeah. which means that if you have one, it's like having two, so just have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've Don't think some... this is a quick way to have <laughs> to a happy, happy moment. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite easy to get toasted on a plane even with those tiny little bottles of wine they have yep it's uh just two or three <laughs> never had two or three on a plane Greg. what are you yes, talking about we have every trans tasman flight you get a couple of those little bottles yes although these days now that in new zealand has got their new system where you can buy just the seat or seat and bag we don't usually get the free drinks yeah it's unfortunate it's tragic so alcohol 
is the one of the largest causes of just everyday accidents when people are traveling and um, also obviously it makes you an easy target if criminals are operating in the area mm -hmm. and it can make you just look like an idiot on a plane and uh, that can have rather dire effects as well. Yep. Well, it's not just crime as well. I mean, alcohol plays a part in all sorts of incidents. Remember when we were in Riga and uh, <laughs> we were just having a nice drink. We saw these herds of guys out on their stag do's and we were talking to a local and she said, oh, yeah, here uh, it's illegal to wear kilts. Mm. And we thought about it and we realised there's only one reason why kilts would have been banned. Raucous Scots getting a bit <laughs> drunk and making a, a public nuisance. Yeah. Um, and they also um, have made a, well, I'm not sure if it's a criminal offence, but it's a jailable offence to urinate in public there. Once again, oh, trying to curb the... Oh, most places it's illegal. I mean, did you hear about those two Spanish women who were in New Zealand? They got caught by the cops urinating in a KFC park, car park. And the cops came up and said, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? And they said, oh, in our country it's fine, which is not true. I mean, yes, people do urinate in the streets in Spain, but not usually women, and they don't usually have the gall to say that it's, you know, legal. <laughs> Sounds like a good way to talk your way out of it, though. Yeah, I think they got away with it. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's never a good idea to urinate in public, just for your <laughs> reference. But in many places, it, it is actually illegal. Yeah. And the fact is, you're more likely to do something like that when you're drunk. Yeah, so absolutely, drink. I mean, we, we're in the oldest beer-producing town in Austria right now, the first town to ever have a license to make beer yeah. um, since, you know, Austria was Austria. Um, no, it must have been much older than that because it would have been part of the empire when mm, it was the... The Austro-Hungarian yeah, Empire. Yeah, that was a... Wow. So, yeah, since the 1300s, and we've certainly been trying as many different types of beer as possible. There's a really nice ginger beer that's uh, kind Ooh, of a yeah. seasonal one. It's... it's it's winning so far. Yeah, they've got some uh, some Pilsner hops or something like that in it. Really gives it some bite. It's lovely. Um, so yeah, by all means, drink. But watch what you drink. Take the normal precautions you would at home if you're out clubbing. And uh, yeah, just be careful in, in an unfamiliar environment. Now, we mentioned earlier about insurance. And uh, it's always worth at this point, before you go away, make sure that you are insured and make sure to read this small print on your insurance policy. I don't want to talk about that in too much depth because we have done lots of podcasts about insurance, mm. but it's always worth reminding you. Yeah, look at, look at what you're insured for and make sure your cover matches the types of activities you're going to be doing. And think about the things that might go wrong, like um, when we were going to South America last, we were looking at maybe going to the Galapagos. And uh, we wouldn't be doing anything overly strenuous, but we'd be hitting around. And there was a, a just a weird little line in one of the insurance policies we were looking at that made me go, I think that going out to the Galapagos Island would invalidate our travel insurance during that period because we were more than so far away from a hospital or whatever the wording was. Like, that's really weird. And so make sure you do read that small print and make sure you are covered for what you're going to be doing and uh, where you're going to be doing it. Now, in many countries, you're going to stand out. You're going to look different. I really like being here in Austria because I look the same as anyone else. In fact, I went for a run yesterday and uh, a man said, hi, you know, they quite often say Grüß Gott. And then he said something about being on the Vienna Marathon, which was held yesterday. And... I just smiled and nodded. I kind of 
laughed, but he obviously thought I was a local, or at least that I spoke German, which I don't. And uh, it was nice. Whereas when I'm in Asia, I always stick out like a sore thumb. I can never blend in. I always look completely different. So sometimes you're going to blend in, you're going to look the same as everyone else, and sometimes you're going to be the tourist. And there's no way to get around it. You can't change your physique, unfortunately. <laughs> no, you can't. I remember when we were going to Turkey for the first time, we are heading to Istanbul, and we were kind of briefed and told to, to dress conservatively, you know, like long sleeve shirts, um, long trousers, not shorts and T-shirts. Women should always cover um, their shoulders. Yeah, and so we thought, right, this is good advice. It sounds sounds right, good, good. And we got there and there were locals wandering around in some of the shortest miniskirts and, and skimpiest tops I've seen anywhere in the world. And one of the first and people so, we saw was a naked man lying on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yep, as tourists, as visitors, I certainly felt more comfortable dressing with the more conservative groups of people. Um, but yeah, blending in doesn't always mean being conservative or dressing conservatively. And so, yeah, it, it pays to go in conservative, figure out what's going on, and uh, yeah, just change and adapt and, and make sure you fit in as best you can. Yeah, that's right. I mean, wear clothes that, that make you blend in. Wear the most normal clothes that you can. And yeah, you'll just have to get there and judge that for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, a good piece of advice if you're going somewhere for a while and uh, you're just leaving home is to bring older clothes with you. Um, old clothes that you think have just a, f a few more weeks of wear in them. And then after you arrive, you can shop locally and mm -hmm. then you're wearing local labels and, you know, and that really helps just to stop you looking like a fly-in, fly-out visitor. Yeah. Um, so you might still look foreign you might be you know seven foot tall in a land of four foot tall people and really stand out no matter what you do but at least you look like you've been there for a while and and you're integrated although make sure you ask around and find out which clothes are most appropriate for your sex uh, in Layla's book um, the baby boomer, boomer guide to solo travel she tells a story about how she went out and bought a really nice outfit a longy and the the tailor was trying to explain something to her and she just couldn't understand, so she bought it and went back to the guest house, only to find that she had bought a man's outfit. Yes. And it was really inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, so she uh, she thought she had this, this beautiful piece of clothing, which she did have. It was, yeah, just, I guess, the, the equivalent of me wandering around here in a, uh, in a uh, what's it called, a dirndl. Yeah, yeah, really inappropriate. I'm not sure if it was Layla who told the story or one of the, the other women who uh, told this story within the book. But it was, oh, that one really made me laugh. <laughs> well, those, uh, those safety tips apply for short-term travellers and long-term travellers. Um, but some of the things that affect long-term travellers more are things around uh, fraud and, and cyber theft and identity theft. Because you're more likely to be out of touch with people for so much longer. Um, I read about a backpacker who was travelling through Southeast Asia and she'd obviously been in an internet cafe or used a Wi-Fi network and someone had sniffed her password and uh, or she left her Facebook logged in or something like that. But criminals managed to get into her Facebook account. Um, she, well, she, 
in inverted commas, which you can't see, even though I'm waving my fingers in the air yeah, above the microphone. <laughs> she um, was hospitalized and needed money Im- immediately from her family. And because of the way Facebook books all mapped out, these criminals were able to find out her you know, direct relations and send private messages saying, oh, I, need, I need money sent by Western Union to pay the hospital bills. The insurance company isn't covering this. And, uh, you know, they messaged back and were obviously concerned and they started getting everything together to do the money transfer. Um, so they were really surprised when the daughter called that day and uh, was perfectly fine. She just dropped out of contact for a bit. And uh, But yeah, these criminals had the whole family ready to send money to them um, by, you know, money transfer uh, when she was perfectly okay. And so I guess the, the normal kind of cyber theft things come into play, like always, always, always log out. Um, clear the cookies if you're on a public machine before you use it and after you use it. Uh, If you can, um, carry your own operating system or your own um, kind of internet browser on a USB stick and plug it in and run everything through that Mm -hmm. and that stops any any key loggers, well, any software key loggers from being able to pick stuff up. And uh, yeah, never use banking and things like that in public places. I suppose the easiest way to get around this is to take your own device. Have a smartphone or a tablet or some small electronic device that can connect to the internet with you. And then you can just use a Wi-Fi network to connect to the internet. You're not using a public computer. Most uh, hotels and internet cafes will have Wi-Fi available. And that really gets around the problem of uh, dodgy, dodgy computers. Yeah, do remember though, if the Wi-Fi network's open, if you don't need to put a password in, it means any data you're sending or receiving is not encrypted as well. So if uh, things are passwords are being sent in plain text, you're going to be stuffed anyway. Um, so yeah, just look out for yourself out there. Uh, when I was writing the book, there was a security report that said over 600,000, that's more than half a million logins were compromised each day at Facebook. For Facebook, wow. And uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what that means. I'm guessing that's uh, mainly people leaving their their laptops open um, and people just being able to log in. But I'm guessing there's some password sniffing or brute force attacks or something like that going on as well, because that's a lot. So there's lots of reasons why this situation might have happened with the girl whose uh, whose family was approached for, for money. It could have been key logging, someone recorded her password as she entered it, she might have just forgot to sign out. But I think communication could have definitely saved the day. If her family had tried to call her and talk to her in person before sending the money, or if she just told them she was going to be offline for a week, that might have really helped. Uh, so if you're online all the time, tell people. Another thing you could possibly do is have some sort of password. If you're going to ask for money, always use that one password, I don't know, whatever it could be, Bluebird or something, so that your family knows that it's you, rather than uh, some people trying to trying to get money out of the family. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea indeed. Well, um, we should move on from that. Um, well, let's talk about round-the-world trip planning, because... 
you know, you're planning a trip, you're getting excited, but unfortunately some countries don't like other countries. <laughs> That's and, true. Uh, that can cause problems for you, even if you're a completely innocent kind of third party. And uh, I mean, the big countries here that always spring to my mind are Israel and the Arab League. Yeah, that's right. Once you have a border stamp from an Arab League nation, it will raise questions when you come to the Israeli border. And if you have an Israeli stamp in your password, you probably just won't get into a whole bunch of countries like Algeria, Bangladesh, Brunei. I've got a whole list. I mean, it goes on and on. But especially the Arab League uh, countries. Yeah, there's a reasonably accurate and up-to-date list on Wikipedia. Now, I say reasonably accurate and up-to-date. Always check with embassies and uh, your own consulate, of course. Um, And so there's some places that you can get cleared for, um, other places that are just no-goes, and yeah, it's just a real pain. So if you're doing a round-the-world trip that is going to involve Israel, then um, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into in terms of you know, border control for other countries you'll be traveling to. And don't just think about um, the Middle East, which is the obvious one. I mean, places like Malaysia can also you know, have problems. You can ask the Israeli border control not to stamp your passport. You might ask them to stamp a piece of paper instead, but there's no guarantee that they'll agree not to. Mm. So uh, don't don't have plans that force you to fly out of one of the countries that won't let you in if you have the stamp. (laughs) Yeah, it's best to avoid that. Uh, Quite a lot of people can get two passports. Who were we talking to? Someone recently, oh yeah, it was um, uh, our Austrian friends, Birgit and Felix. They had a problem at a border. And uh, one of the, oh, two of the pages in Birgit's passport were stuck together and the border guard took some joy in saying I can't (laughs) accept this passport I can't accept this passport and he was going to deny her entry because of her passport but luckily she had a secondary one because they were going to be gone for some time and in Austria you can you can have two at a time and so she said I'll try this one instead and he was a little bit angry I think at at this turn (laughs) of events but uh, that could be a good solution just make sure that if you've got a visa for one of the countries that won't accept a passport with an, uh, mm. an Israeli stamp, that you use the other passport to get the stamp. Otherwise, you're just stuffing yourself up. Yeah, I heard that Americans can have multiple passports as well. And yeah, there's a, a whole range of reasons you might be able to get it. Yeah. So if that's going to be an issue for you, um, or you just have a whole load of visas to send away, yeah. then you can do that. Um, something that isn't in the book but affects me and might affect some of you is having two passports from two different countries. Mm. Um, you have, you must enter and exit each country you go to on the same passport, um, but you are allowed to change passports in the middle. Um, so you can leave on one country and then change over and uh, and change on to the other one. But you might get some funny looks and might have to explain to people why you're changing or... You yeah. know, things like that. So um, I'm always a bit cautious with it and tend to only change if I'm, you know... If there's a really if, good if, reason if for it. there's a good reason, yeah. I normally start and finish on a, a whole trip, a whole multi-year trip on the same passport as much as I can. Yeah, one um, year we were travelling through Europe and Craig got all jealous because I was getting a whole bunch of stamps as we travelled around Europe. And so we were on a train going from Austria to Poland or something and he decided... I'm going to switch to my New Zealand passport. He was traveling on the British one. But what he didn't remember was that we'd entered the Schengen zone far, far, far away from where we were at that point in the middle of nowhere. 
and he didn't have an entry stamp into the Schengen zone. So the poor border guard took the passport, was flicking through the pages, saw a stamp for entering and exiting Melbourne, the same for Fiji and nothing else. And he flicked and flicked and flicked and couldn't find anything. Eventually he gave up and just stamped the passport and, and continued on his way. But it could have been a terrible time. I mean, Craig could have gotten into a lot of trouble. Really, it was a dumb thing to do. It really was. And that's why I didn't write a travel safety book by myself. <laughs> Yes, um, there are certain things you learn as you travel and certain things you just really should know. So, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about travel safety and you do, do need to take precautions to be as safe as possible. But you will make mistakes, you will do stupid things, don't beat yourself up over mm. it. Well, if you learned something new from this podcast or something that made you go, hey, yeah, that was a dumb thing that Craig did, or <laughs> something you go, oh, I might have done that too, then the travel safety book will have a hundred more moments like that for you as you read through it. Uh, you can pick that up at guides.indietravelpodcast.com. And if you use the coupon code 272, that's the number of this episode, 272. We'll uh, put a 10% discount on there for the next little while. Oh, that's nice of us. Yeah, I thought so. Don't forget if you want to meet other travellers or if you have questions about what we've talked about today or anything to do with travel, come to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums to get your free community account and join in the conversation. You can also help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us, IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash insurance. Uh, when you're booking travel online. Also, check out the latest tours and promotions at tours.indietravelpodcast.com. We've just published ways to save 15% on South and Central America tours or 80% on a German Rail extension pass. We get a commission when you buy through our site, and uh, that keeps us on the road, so we really do appreciate it when you do that. For some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast, invite them to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash travel or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.